whether the lighting's good, the sound's good, if it's a good idea, if, if it's relatable, if it's charming, if it's interesting, if it's funny, if it's heartwarming, it will travel. Doesn't matter. Don't need any of the other stuff, the trimmings that go with it. None of the rules. But if you are somebody who is well, like I was starting out and trying to figure out what I wanted to do and what I wanted to say, those the to learning to use the tool and to your advantage and to help it teach you and help it grow you and grow you as grow you in your like use of that tool it becomes reciprocity then you learn it teaches you you give back and social media can be very reciprocal very collaborative which just is so jesus isn't it Hi friends, welcome to Word Made Digital. I'm your host, Joanna LaFleur. This is the fifth episode of 2023. And hey, we've just done a tally. We're at over 140 episodes in total now. So we probably need to figure out what episode 150 is. We're about to hit it and we should do a giveaway. Today on the podcast, we have my friend, Claire Hooper with millions of views on TikTok. She is from Manchester, UK, and she describes herself as multi-hyphenated creator, guide, agitator, dyslexic thinker, passionate about creating wholesome digital content. And uh, you're going to love this conversation because she's both TikTok creator with all this craftiness around the house, but then also a church planter with her husband. So she's going to talk to us about that strategy today. Thank you so much to Compassion Canada and to Scripture Untangled, a new podcast by the Canadian Bible Society who are making this possible, bringing this into your ears or in front of your eyeballs. We, we really couldn't do the podcast without them. Can't wait to tell you more about them and why I'm passionate about that work. But let me tell you a little bit more about Claire Hooper before we dive in to the episode today. After serving on staff of another church for 16 years, she and her husband took a big leap into the unknown. And in 2018, they left their regular jobs and their regular incomes and started building what's called Kingdom Company. It's a church plant in Manchester, UK. And meanwhile, especially through the COVID times, she began experimenting with creative projects on TikTok and discovered that she loved it and discovered what worked and discovered what didn't work. And it has taken off millions of views later. She's been featured on like morning television shows and news and all kinds of things. It has been really fun to see her rise and grow and learn and build a community on TikTok. She's got so much for us to learn about real people connection in church spaces and in digital spaces. So I think you're going to love this conversation and the practical stuff that she brings. Here's the conversation with Claire Hooper. Claire Hooper, welcome to Word Made Digital. I am pumped to have you. I've wanted to have you for a long time, so I'm glad to get you on the podcast. Honestly, Joanna, I mean, we've been talking about this for a while, but uh, I'm just, I just love it. I love that you thought of me and asked me. I'm always like, I hope I've got something useful and interesting to say. Who knows? We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe before we go much farther, can you give it, can you give us some context on who you are? Like what is, oh. what is the circumstances that we're finding you in right now? Well, I am a, I am a self-proclaimed multi-hyphen. That's the what that's what I call myself because <laughs> I'm a bit of this and a bit of this and a bit of this. Some people might call it a jack of all trades, but I prefer to own it in a positive way. So I'm a multi-hyphen. So I have got a number of hats that I really like love to delve between. One is is being a content creator, which I create um, helpful, wholesome, fun content on a 
on platforms. I'm also a social media lead for a Christian organization here in the UK called Christians Against Poverty. We're a debt, um, debt charity. And um, I'm also a church planter. And I do that with my husband where we do content over there, digital content where we're trying to learn. I mean, I'm pushing 50 and I'm trying to learn how to best utilize this tool that is social media to grow a healthy church community. So that's it. Obviously family, obviously just other stuff as well. But yeah, those are the three main things that I'm doing at the moment. Well, and did you, you are not from where you are. You've moved, you moved there. Maybe tell us a little bit about how did you come to, to be where you are even? Because that's a bit of a story. So we lived in, first, I grew up in Manchester, which is probably one of the main cities. You, you know, most people are going to have heard of Manchester United or uh, the football team there. So from Manchester originally, and we relocated here where I am now. I'm in a city called Bradford. Um, it's a big city, but it's not a very well-known city. It's a big city. There's a lot going on. It's very, very diverse. It's, it's hugely, we, we have this phrase in the UK, it's like a bus queue, which means like if you're waiting for a bus and you see a random group of interested, eclectic, people that's what Bradford is like it's full of us it's very 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 diverse very multicultural very very interesting very very interesting range of I think both the most affluent um both the most affluent postcode and the most um and the poorest postcode are in the same city across the UK which is makes it very very interesting so we moved here um for a job we were doing we were exact pastors of a church me and my husband and then and that's what brought us here. And then we raised our family here. And we're we're on our way now back to Manchester. So we're church planting. I don't know. I mean, we're church planting. And I don't know if you've ever experienced church planting, but it is slower and deeper and richer and very rewarding. But it's not, we were from a much bigger church context before. And so it's totally been a, a massive change and pivot. And we're learning so much. And there's lots we still need to learn about how to do the church planting. But it means that we're, now we came from Manchester which is about an hour away from where we live at the moment. And we relocated our whole family here to a city called Bradford. And now we're trying to get back over to Manchester, so, which is an hour away. So we do the drive over there and we're there as much as possible. But it's good. It's been one of the best tonics of my adult life, actually, to church plan. Really, really rewarding. Let's talk about that. You're saying like, like that's one of the things I would love to get into with you because, you know, church planting is not for the faint of heart. It's not glamorous. I think we see these few rare stories of like a, in the same way with business, like you see one business out of a, a hundred thousand that takes off and, you know, becomes, you know, the Teslas, the Facebooks, whatever, these huge companies yeah. that that we talk about. But but then it's the same with church. Most church plants are small, slow, um, and it's like the beautiful hard work behind the scenes. So what is <laughs> like what has that been like? Can you give us some context too on the on the church in the UK? Because I think um Canadians are more like closer to the UK and sort of our secular culture. Mm. And then the Americans listening, their culture is and context is quite different. Oh, yeah, we're, uh, I mean, we're as, as much as that we have a 
a king now. Wow, it's the first time I've said that out loud. <laughs> as much as we have a king now who is the head of the church and we have this supposedly church, we're not a church nation. It's not, it's not a common thing. It's a more common thing not to go to church in the UK. It's a very small percentage. Um, I can't remember the exact stats. I'm rubbish, but it's definitely under, I think it's about six, five or 6% of people. It's a very, very small number of church attenders. So when you're building something, you are building with a very niche group of people, which is also good because you know that who's with you in the church is is really either very interested in seeking and looking then or they're in church because it's something they really want to do so in some ways it gives you that benefit you're not actually just got a group of people who believe they should go to church and it's part of their history and their culture I mean there are going to be some of those which gives you like a really interesting perspective because you've got people who are really ready to listen, learn, be a disciple. And there's a massive wave of um, that I'm hearing through my other friends who are in churches where people are just got an appetite for discipleship, for the niche, like really understanding what it is to be a Christian and and like really wanting to sort of dig into the life application side of it. Whereas the come and see model, which has been so big and beautiful for so long, come to a big, amazing, interesting energizing Sunday service and, you know, have that, which had its time. I'm not going to lie. I loved, I loved that moment in history, but there seems to be, I don't know if you're finding the same thing where there's a real appetite now for the, okay, but, but why, but how, Mm. how will I be, I follow a transformational leader. So how am I going to help other people be transformed and how am I transformed in that? So yeah, I found that really interesting the past few years. Uh, I think it's really interesting that you're like the way you're kind of describing this thing. It's almost like uh, the the advantage of the church plant has come because uh, it's true. I feel like for a lot, not all, but for a lot of people, the big thing, the high level of production and polish, uh, I, as you say, I loved it. I worked in it. I loved it. I helped build it. And, but, and, and for not for everyone, but for a, a lot of people I'm having conversation with, they're done with that. They want this sort of real gritty, messier thing. Um, How well positioned to be a church planter. (laughs) Right. No, no, I think so. I'm just with you. I'm like, I'm just always a bit circumspect. I... You learn so much working for a church or working in a church, but all you know is all you know. And so it gets you this far. Mm. And what we did before in the big church that worked got us as far as we got. And now we're having to learn brand new things. And you can bring loads of that with you, but you also just have to work with the living stones that you've got in front of you and with you. And our community has just been so much more collaborative than I've ever been out of choice. We've, we've built our values together, our vision statement together, our, um, what we, our plans of travel together, our strategy together about what's going to happen over the next few years. We've spent a lot of time on talking about culture on what we want and what we don't want and what that looks like and how that matches with what God says and what the Bible says and what, what, what comes and what's going to be in the in the suitcase for the future absolutely what we all bring in so yeah that that's been super super sort of church nerdy if you love that stuff then 
Well, I do. I mean, it's true. I do love that stuff. And that's where I'm curious in your world, like I think the COVID reality sped up a lot of things. It sped up technology. It sped up like a lot of people exiting church and not coming back in in the context that I'm in. It sped up this deconstruction thing. It sped up like calling out some things that were broken or unhealthy or toxic. And like we could change these things. So in your context, um, because you're talking about like the slow thing of church planting and then COVID happens in the last couple of years. What are some of the things that it accelerated, maybe good or bad, like in your community or in yourselves as leaders? What are some of like, let's, and then maybe let's dive into them. Cause I'd like to, of course, I want to get into all things digital and content and joy and creativity. Cause that's what I always think of you uh, as marked by, but before we go into those other things, I'm curious if there's other kind of angles at it that have kind of accelerated in the last couple of years. I think anybody who's been involved in church or, or, and went through that, 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 that time, you know, together, we went through it together. Anybody who did, like, as if anybody didn't, we all went through it. We were all in the same storm, yeah. but we pivoted. We had to like learn. And I had, I'd been, we talked about it before, Joanna, before that time when we met in 2019, how digital was a space that I was already really proactively for. I can't tell you when Facebook opened, I, I was like, I need to be in that space. When Twitter opened, I was on the first week that it, I downloaded that same, every app that's downloaded, well, not every, but a lot of them, I've just been in there straight away. It's just like, I get that space. I can't tell you what it is. I feel more comfortable hmm. in the digital space um, than um, than a lot of other spaces, actually. Wow. But, but we pivoted because my husband is much more a traditional um, church leader where the reciprocity of being in a room was very important for him. So what he said, the feedback in the room and that feedback loop that you get when you're in a, in a room full of people and that made him a better speaker and that, that made people more interested in that feedback loop. And digital doesn't give you that. So when we went into our sort of like lockdown, our church was due to plan. We'd been an interest team and uh, we'd been a launch team and our, our, um, our first service proper service was supposed to be the 29th of March, 2020. And the UK went into a national lockdown. No. In March, I think. So we never made it to our launch. Oh my Honestly, gosh. we were so gutted. We were absolutely gutted. Of so course. disappointed. And I, I gave it a week and then I took a proposal to my husband and I said, this is one of those conversations you would normally wrestle with me like for months and we would talk about it and you're not ready for it but it kind of doesn't matter that you're not ready for it because you're gonna have to like have a look at this and just give it some mm. consideration so I talked about taking our church as digital as possible we'd already done a lot of work creating content and website and building some hybrid stuff but we were we weren't fully there present as a digital a valid digital option my husband looked at it and he was, he was mad, not at me, just mad that this was now like the reality, as I'm sure loads of church leaders were. But I was like, this is, this is just like you're saying, accelerating something that is already coming. We're just having to get on it faster. And you are now with this opportunity to just learn in a group of small group of people who are going to be kind to you because the, your community, they're not going to like, they're going to understand that you're trying your best and you're learning and they're not, you know, going to help you along. And that's what we did. So we just, we employed the services of a, of a really good YouTube video 
videographer who came and coached us, taught us how to use a camera over Zoom. We had that we bought a vlogging camera. We did all of that. We tried to stream stuff. My gosh, my marriage nearly ended. That was so stressful. <laughs> I was like, wow, this is not going to work for the Hoopers. But we recorded things separately and then we sent them to somebody else who helped us edit them. And actually, eventually he taught us how to edit and he taught us how to put things together. So we just had, we tried to make it as fun as possible. And also to think about, we were nowhere near the size or or had the resources to do a stream service. And we just kept saying to people who asked us, will you do that? We were like, go here. These are brilliant. Drop in and visit that church. Go there. They're doing amazing. Here's some friends over here who were doing that. And we kept mm. celebrating it. And then a couple of things that I think were just the chef's kiss type thing for us is we started something called speed church which just gave us so much time to learn skills and that was a speed church speed church one song one thought one prayer and um, i dj'd it basically i I was the sort of mc of the whole held it all together we invited other people to do a a five minute talk a one minute read a prayer and a one minute um bible verse one song one thought one prayer and we borrowed songs as well from other churches that had already recorded them because we just weren't we didn't have those resources and it was just great for us to have that digital presence and tool and we learned so much (laughs) oh my gosh we learned so much we went to school (laughs) and when you're talking about oh I have okay I I want to get into all this because you're because this is this is all the stuff I mean, it's this nerdy stuff, but it's important stuff. When you're talking about this um, speed church, like where were, was this like you went live on Instagram or you'd recorded and posted on YouTube or like what did, where did that go? At first we did it, I did it live from my living room because on, on um, Instagram, there's a feature where you can play things in the background on live as a video and as, or as images. So I did it like that. And then we started pre-recording it and pulling all the pieces together and just putting it up onto Instagram. And then we, we really really delved into trying to grow our YouTube. Um, it's so early doors. YouTube is a whole other room to experience in digital and mm. it needs investment and time. And it can be three to five years to grow a YouTube account to anything near something that is really good. And so we're, we're, we're doing it averagely, I would say, but we're, but we're experimenting with what works for us. We moved, I then, I then, um, introed it from my kitchen table, learned how to set up lights and sound and a camera. And wow. Wow. Yeah. But it was good for me. It was good. It was good to learn. It was good to learn. That I really liked that kind of digital because we met through that, the speakers collective. And that was an area that I yes. really, I really wanted to know. I, I'm not, come out of an experience where I was really not involved in upfront communication, not had that experience, not know, but really wanted somewhere to communicate and have. I think when I joined that speakers collective, which I absolutely loved and learned so much about myself, but I realized even after that, I don't want to be a preacher. I don't want to get on a stage and speak. I felt like that was the place Mm -hmm. that church, if you wanted to communicate as a Christian, that was all roads lead to a stage, right? That's what you're, that's what I'd, naively been led let myself believe you know that that the what would be the what would be the next step as a christian communicator is to get on a stage on a church service and preach i get up and preach i hate it i hate myself i'm like so nervous (laughs) i like i'm like oh this is just not me so like this was just so like a revelation to me that you're putting me in front of a camera and i'm like oh 
Oh, it was this. This I can do this. I can do wow. this. I'll learn how to do this. I can get better at this and I'm enjoying it and I come alive and I don't know what it is, but the camera to me is just a neutral tool and I don't I I can see the person on the other side and I just began to wow. really fall in love with that side of digital and I'd already been making videos anyway on social media, but it just helped me collide the two worlds and really pivot myself from what I'd been doing before that was very much training, which is where I thought I wanted to be, to really understanding that what I what I wanted to do in digital was be a content creator and just make videos about the things I was doing and the life. And yeah, yeah that's where I found myself now, is, which is probably where you find myself on digital. As we talk about the major changes that have come in the world through COVID and come in the church land through COVID, I know that for a lot of us, the Bible can feel overwhelming, confusing, and hard to believe. Well, Scripture Untangled is a new podcast by the Canadian Bible Society, and they're bringing you interviews with culture leaders and leaders in ministry and Bible thinkers, academic types, trying to help you be inspired to dive into the Bible, wrestle with it, and understand it. You can listen for free and subscribe to Scripture Untangled untangled wherever you listen to podcasts and visit scriptureuntangled.ca for more info scriptureuntangled.ca and as always the link is in the show notes well and i love this because you're reminding everyone and i feel like i said this a lot pre-covid but i feel like i still have to say it to a lot of people uh, women especially but men too that feel like they have this thing in mind about what it is to be Bible communicator, preacher, that kind like, and it's this on the stage, Bible teaching, preaching, whatever kind of thing. And it's like live in a room or maybe even if if it's online, it's, it's from this kind of a platform and saying to people like you, you know, at the end of the day, frankly, you won't even be asked to be on that one if you haven't practiced the work somewhere else. Like you don't get that big place until you've done a bunch of small places, but even even that, if that was the weird thing that you're chasing, like something about, like, that seems a lot more about ego anyways, about chasing some big stage, but, (laughs) but either way that there's this huge opportunity to grow, to develop and to reach people with these little cameras we prop up in front of us. (laughs) And as you say, like it might, it might make someone alive and creative and, um, uh, think differently about what they're doing in a way that you'd never considered before. Like you, you said, like you, I hate myself when I'm on a stage and now I'm coming alive. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, you know, looking back, I think, oh, of course it makes total sense. That's not something that I would have wanted to do. And I'm not, a, I don't think I'm a bad stage communicator. I still do things now, but I realized like exactly what you're saying there are just so many other ways, you know, and I live and I live by Matthew 5. It's like my absolute, if, if there was ever a Bible verse, I know you're not really supposed to pick one, but I do Matthew 5, the salt and light. And I live by the fact that the light is so many different light sources. We cannot, we cannot, we think he's it, it, made you like a light and it's all referencing if, if I don't, Anyway, it's all referencing the lampstand in the tabernacle yeah. where where Jesus lifts us up and puts us on a lampstand. And every time we shine, it points us up to that generous father in heaven. That's Jesus tells us that. Like, yeah. anyway, let's just, while we're on that, if you ever think you can outshine Jesus, you're, you know, you just can't. He's the light that's shining in all the darkness, right? So never worry that you're going to outshine Jesus and I'm, I'm just too much. I'm too, I'm shining too bright. It's just, it's just impossible to outshine Jesus, especially if your motives are one to 
help people to open up to, their, to your generous father in heaven. Anyway, I, I look at that and go, well, what is light? Light is like so many different sources. You could be a disco ball. You could be a candle. You could be a laser beam. You could be a floodlight. You could be a ring light. You could be a, 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 a you know, a tea light. You could be all those different kinds of light. And, and that, that is, that's the reality is, is that you then bring a different illumination to different, all the corners, all the four corners of the earth. When you, when you step into the things that you are good at, when you step into that space to, to share, to share your life with others, you are being a, a source of light that points people to Jesus, which is what really helped me to change the way that I even communicate on my social media. Because I, you're, I think you're aware, I don't, I don't preach on my own personal social media. I'm a church planter, and I've got church. I've got plenty of outlets. I've, we're in, we're in small groups. We're, in, we do. I've got Christian courses. Me and my husband do a podcast. I've got loads of places where I can talk about that here on social media, it's like a marketplace to me. It's like I'm walking into the school playground and I'm going, hello, hello, I'm a mum over here. Oh, you're doing something nice. I'm doing something good too. Would you like to find this useful? That's, that's, that's why I'm there. Everybody needs to be in those spaces for different reasons. But when I lifted like the kind of pressure off myself as to why I was in a certain space, I have just had the best fun making content the last couple of years. Like the best fun. Well, and and that's where I want to go in the conversation next. But uh, I want to talk about this because I see the fun. I see the fun you're having and it's contagious. Like the kind of content you're creating. There is this joy, um, playfulness kind of, um, you, you don't take yourself too seriously. Um, you're very creative. And I want to, okay, I want to get there. But before we, so put a pin in that for a second, because the thing that you said a few minutes back that I want to just touch on before we go is you described yourself as the, I've not heard very many people say it this way. You said you were the DJ of this speed church. Yeah. Um, that's an interesting way of looking at it. Like you like tell it, why do you say you're the DJ? Maybe it's literally like you're, you're switching things, <laughs> but, uh, that's an interesting, like for people to think of if they're not like maybe the, the upfront communicator, like the DJ is not usually someone who speaks a lot. Um, kind of, can you, can you just give a moment to reflect on that role? Um, that might encourage somebody who might be suited to it. I, it came from a place of realizing that I, need a script to follow as in I really appreciate having uh, something very very much written down and I really really love like pulling those things together and being that in between so when you have an MC or although a traditional although a traditional MC at, at, at an event more like that than an MC at a church because I think MCs at church conjures up this person who suddenly is going to get up and give an offering talk or like, um, you know, do you yeah. know what I mean? Give, I'll give a, and I'm, I didn't, I don't want to step into that space. I'm, I would say more like an event where I help bring everybody together. Okay. Now we're going to do this. And then the, that, the, this happens and like, and now we're going to do that. Like the segues, the, the interim moments, the, the sort of like the in-between moments in something. So yeah, I don't know. I mean, I tried, I figured it was just, it needed, it needed something to hang on an anchor, maybe more like an anchor. Maybe that's a better word of mm. using it, but, um, it just felt like more, a more, a, a, a zone that I could go into comfortably and, uh, and I enjoyed it. Sometimes yeah. my, 
so I was asked, I was asked at work, would you MC on Sun on, on Monday and staff meeting? And I said, what do you mean by that? And they went, well, you have to prepare it. You know, you need a five minutes sort of presentation. I was like, then no, like if you're really <laughs> me to MC and loop it all together, I, absolutely. But to prepare a thought and, um, it just, it, it just, I find, I find it, I get very anxious in those situations, you know, mm. and I realize it's not an anxiety. Some anxiety is good because it makes you better at something, right? I think we have to protect. Anxiety is a good thing to have in some, in some yeah. situations because it makes you aware of what needs to change or what areas you need to stretch in. And, um, if you're part of the, you know, to truly thrive, you've got to have the right amount, haven't you, of comfort and challenge. And so I'm not afraid of that. And what, what I'm hearing you remind us of too is that there's a role for someone who stitches the content, bridges, whatever, DJ stitches, bridges, like uh, most, you know, most DJs are not um, mixing their own music. They're taking famous music and making it sound amazing together, bringing the energy to the party. And so... Um, there's so much, I love that you said we used other churches worship music there because we didn't have the capability of making it. Well, of course, most people don't. And so you can DJ these pieces together. You can curate it. Essentially, you're like the curator, the DJ, mixing it all together, bringing this forward. You don't have to have necessarily all these profound thoughts, but could you find some great stuff and offer it to people? Because everyone's trying to dig through the mess of the internet to find something worth their five minutes of time. Um, there's so much junk out there. There is so much power in being a digital curator, actually really, really like mm. underrated. And we obviously like reached out to each of those, um, um, contributors and invited them and we, we asked their permission and we, we also, um, tagged them and referenced them and sent people back to yeah. their content and said, go check them out, go see what else they're doing because this is good. So yeah, yeah our, our sort of aim was really to, to yeah, showcase what was out there. The other thing that I learned actually in that was just how little you need for people on dig online to understand. So we, we eventually got to the place where church, speed church was about 17 minutes long. And then I got it down to about nine minutes at the end. We've not done any in the last year or so, just because of my work pattern now, but it is an area I'd love to do again. Um, but they, um, they, that you really you don't even need the whole song just a chorus was enough eventually and huh. you know somebody might have had a thought and I would have taken the thought and edited it down till the most mm. potent thing you know everything that's digital you're you are taking up some of the most precious people that you're in the palm of somebody's hand like it's so personal and what you do with that person's time is so incredibly on it's such an honor isn't it to, for somebody to, to invite you into the palm of their hand so taking up their time and what you do with that, I just think is an incredibly honorable thing. So to think about, am I making the best use of these people, this person's time? Am I giving yeah. them exactly what they need? Am I giving them what I would like to give them, which is very different? You know, what would I like to talk about is not, is not what people are searching, Joanna, you know, like, you know, get on Google Trends, get on like some of those SEMrush, get on some of those places and find out, answer the public. Um, what is it? What pe what do people actually? What are they asking about the Bible? What are they asking about Jesus? What are they asking about? And give them content that matches their problem. And you will never mm -hmm. run out of people that want to watch your content. Then or content ideas. If you're always looking at solving the world's problems rather than what you'd like to say, I've got an idea. I want to talk about it. So what? Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> so, okay, let's talk about the ideas because I okay. I see your your social, and I'm talking kind of around it because I'd love you to describe it. Uh, I mean, I would describe it as fun, interesting, quirky crafts and and house projects, and yeah. um, your dogs involved. There's a lot of color and paint and food. Um, but what are you trying to do with your social? And maybe you're just simply saying, "I'm just trying to have some fun." Um, but but what is it that you're you're doing? And I mean, why are you leaning into this? fun joy thing because not a lot of people are doing it wow why I, oh gosh I, I i have to say why i don't know why i wasn't before because it is my life this is a huh. window now onto my like my what i'm doing in my life i was i was making projects and doing these things long before the internet existed i am a i am a serial committed crafter i am like <laughs> i am an absolutely obsessive upcycler repurpose life on a budget. Honestly, I, I cannot, I, if it costs you less money, I love it even more. You know, if, if you found it in a skip in a dumpster and you did something with it, I'm like, I'm here for it every single moment. And so, so really all that's happened is I've just started to document my life and, um, mm. and document it. And, you know, don't get me wrong, it's entertainment and I love entertaining people. So this has become, you know, how have I learned? And every time I put a video, I'm learning something more about how to entertain people better in the digital space, what works, what hooks, what, you know, there's, there's some, there's a lot of work that goes behind it in the way that I construct yeah. my videos and what I'm learning. I learn in the first strong few years of, um, creating digital, how to get people to watch seven to 12 second videos. And in the last mm -hmm. year, I've committed to, to learning how to get people to watch my videos for longer because I'd really like to do YouTube. But until I feel like I've learned that skill, I don't have the time or energy to put into a YouTube channel myself at the moment. But if I can learn it on my own, if I can learn it on social media, I can then just take those skills and put it into what I've learned on YouTube. So I'm learning that as well. So I've now got people to watch a little, my watch time is up and I'm learning about, I'm learning about pattern interruption and transitional moments and what, what gives people the ick and what, 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 and although, although I think you are the juiciest round is peach and just somebody ain't going to like peaches. So not everybody's going to like you, but <laughs> Don't ever, I don't know why, I'm just going to say this now while I'm thinking about it. Don't ever think that the, any algorithm, like it's a human, is trying to not send your content out. In fact, actually the job of every app is to keep people on the app for as long as possible. So the algorithm will work in your favor to match make you with people that are like you. And so mm -hmm. you just, you just got to give your content the kiss of life and be as, be as, um, as as you as you possibly can oh my gosh it's such a buzzword to say that and if, you know like you to be like as as close to you if they met you in real life but an energized version of you or a yeah or a really true version of you not every piece of content needs to be joyful like mine I just I just hopefully am that I'm hopefully that I'm hopefully like being true I that's been the been better for me I, I'm a forever a kids worker and that's what really I'm forever a I was a child manager on a daycare for a kids worker. You know, a friend of mine who he's a manager for YouTubers, like full-time YouTubers and oh. coaches them and does business with them. And, and one of the things he was saying over sushi the other day was this idea that like, there's kind of a number that people have. And he was talking about this guy named Peter McKinnon as an example of like millions and millions of subs 
on his mm-hmm. on his YouTube. And he just has this thing about him that attracts millions of people that want to wow. connect with him. He's a very natural on camera. It doesn't seem to matter what he's doing. People want to buy it. Um, and there are people like that. And there are other people who um, they are a woodworker. And uh, like Peter McKinnon's dad is a woodworker, an older guy, and he's got a following doing his woodwork. But it's like getting honest and comfortable with like um, discovering it along the way. But like everyone kind of has a number. And I don't mean that in, and I'm not, I think I'm trying to be crass about it, but like everybody's content isn't going to appeal to everybody. But your content's going to appeal to a group. And and right. whether you're the kind of person that can carry a million people or a thousand people probably depends on things to do with the type of things you like to talk about. And like, you know, some people always joke about like, it's only my mom who likes my stuff. And I'm like, well, your mom is going to be your biggest fan. And she's in, you know, she's in your crew. But like some people, for whatever, lots of reasons, um, they're just not, they're probably not ever going to have a large audience because of the kind of person they are. And that doesn't mean that they aren't loved and amazing and a valuable human being. Like we're not measured in our value by that. But I think it's getting honest about some kinds of content is not going to get a big audience. But that doesn't mean you shouldn't make it because for the small community that you do, you know, it can be incredibly meaningful. I, I, I think, you know, Every video that you make and every person that watches it, like in a real life beating heart, spends some time with you. A real life human. If one person came up to you and knocked on your front door and said, I really like you and, you know, basically gave you a heart, you'd be dead chuffed that just one person did that. If 10 people appeared at your door, you'd actually be like, this is a bit weird. If 30 people like came and said, <laughs> yeah. what came in your living room or by your work desk or wherever you are right now and said, I like you, you would be overwhelmed. So when you start to push up to 100, 150, 1,000, more than that, you, you can't separate those two things off. It's a real life beating heart that spent time with you. And it's such an honor. And um, I do sometimes get freaked out by the numbers, especially on my TikTok numbers. It's it's mental. It's it's about a million a month on my content. And wow. like when I try and Google pictures of a million people, because I try and keep it in my head what it looks like. You, it is you. It, it's just, it's mind boggling. And so mm. I am forever interested as to why that many people want to watch me. Like <laughs> I don't know paint something (laughs) it's just funny it's funny it's funny it's funny but yet here I am in this space 48 nearly 49 having a go just having a play and enjoying every single minute of it like it's just yeah it's it's the it's such a good tonic it's been so good for me as as a person Taking a break from the conversation with Claire as she's talking about a lot of things about how she transformed her thinking and approaches on TikTok to be more strategic. And I think transformation as a whole can feel like a buzzword, like what does it even mean these days? Because it can maybe be overused. But one place that I have personally seen transformation be so evident is in the stories of former Compassion sponsored kids. That's graduates or alumni of the Compassion program who are now adults and telling their stories 
stories of how sponsorship impacted them. Like Ria, I have met Ria. She's originally from the Philippines and she had this impactful line as she shared the story of what child sponsorship meant to her. It was that knowing someone who's never met you cares for you it changes you. So Rhea's story is a highlight of how being sponsored as a kid built Christ-like confidence in her and empowered her to take hold of a future free from poverty. But this is one of my favorite parts. Today, she is a passionate advocate for kids and sponsors a child in her own community, the one that she grew up in. And so it's one helping the next, helping the next. That's how child sponsorship transforms lives and changes the story for the future. You can find out more about Rhea's story and others like her, other alumni, go to child's go to check out child sponsorship at compassion.ca slash if only. Compassion.ca slash if only. The link will be down in the show notes. And and so I love this even that because if like the one of the ways you can sustain this and grow it and learn and get better at the craft is because you're having fun doing it. And some people, if you're having no fun, like Maybe, maybe you should just write a blog. Maybe, maybe you should do something else. It's maybe not for you. If, if this is like a real, a lot of people talk about stress and strain and, and the burnout online and it makes them feel bad about themselves and they're comparing themselves. Like, you know, then it sounds like it maybe isn't a, a great place for you to spend a lot of time. But for other people, you're describing like you're having fun and you're creating and you found a voice in a new way and you're getting better at your craft. Can you give us? Give us some of those things. Of course, if someone listens to this 12 months from now, it might be irrelevant (laughs) knowing that this stuff changes. But what are some things just quick off the top that you've, you're like, this is what I was doing wrong and how I could quick, like some quick wins people can have with the short video that um, keeps people watching or wanting more. So I used to think it was about the audience and I'm less convinced about that now and I'm more convinced it's about whatever your problem your video solves. And as Mm. soon as you can let people know what what problem your video solves in the very, very beginning, in the first one to three seconds, why am I spending time with you? People have got a quota, a scroll quota. You know, they're on maybe on social media an hour a day that you you have got like you've got a couple of seconds for them to decide whether they're going to stay with you or not. And there are lots of hooks out there that you can use. And I think some of them are a little bit like formulaic, but they might help you work. I did have one video where I was practicing hooks and it it's really been a good, it's been great because that video has done so well over multiple platforms, but I don't love that style of hook. It's not me. It's a little bit, it's a little bit formulaic and I'm not. Yeah. It's a bit cheesy, but it works for some people if it's to do with five ways you can do this or, you know, there's lots of, you can just Google video hooks. There'll be a ton of really good resources out there. But I, I go with the issue. I go with them more the basis now. What problem does this video solve? And how can I say it in the shortest, most potent amount of time? How can I take out anything that's unnecessary? So I keep learning. How can I watch this video and make it interesting and say it in the, in the shortest amount of time possible? Mm. What bits do people need to be able to, what bits do people need to see? What bits can they just figure out for themselves? So I'm learning that. And I often repurpose videos on different platforms just so that I can learn what works and see. And then, yeah, that's been very much my helpful thing. And also, Although I don't stick to this rule. I know if you do want to, to grow, it's funny. I'm, I'm about to tell you something that I don't do, but that's all right. That's okay. Because it does that's okay. Work. 
I, I, because, because my content creation is a, is at the moment a really good hobby for me. And, um, you know, it's a big part of my life, but I also have a full-time job. I don't need to rely on it for money, but if you do want to be a content creator and you would like to give it a really good go as a career, it's really important to choose a very specific niche or, or at least, at least path that you're on so that when people come to you, they know what they're coming to you for. And then it's very, very good for them to be able to see why they might want to follow you. So um, that definitely really, really helps. But I, I, I think really being consistent and having a play, building up your, your ability to, to do it. And also learning from the, the metrics really help. I'm not metrics driven. I'm not very good with numbers. I'm a bit like, Meh. But but what they t- do teach you is is when 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 you if you watch a video and you see when somebody stops watching your video and you're like oh at three mm. seconds what did they do what what made them feel awkward why would somebody scroll oh I did that oh yeah oh yeah I didn't like that either happened at ten seconds where everybody everybody scrolled off oh yeah the lighting went off or the sound was weird or or I said uh. something that was awkward or I made people feel awkward and I'm like that is brutal because you're having to look at your ego and what could I do and but it's really helpful for growth and Maslow's hierarchy of needs which is the the growth needs like you need to be in a learning zone you need to be able to to be able to to see yourself flourish and grow for human flourishing growth and personal development is a massive part of that and so how you personally grow you can use it as a tool of just becoming a better communicator or entertainer or um business owner or whatever you whatever you use it for it's got so many possibilities hasn't it I love that. And, and, and what you're talking about too is, is you're a student of the craft. Um, you're, you're looking at what's working in the world and what can, you can simply Google some of the stuff too. Like I need better hooks, go and maybe the place to start is just to copy some that someone else is doing before you find your own. Um, but also being brutal about like, oh, that's the weird thing I did that cut people, that that made people want to leave. You're talking about sort of this this new thing too that I'm, that I'm picking up is around um, this idea of like cutting everything unnecessary, um, which, which feels actually like a very important act for the church as a whole, whether people are listening to this because they want to grow on their own social media or they're listening to this because they're trying to figure out how to reach people, you know, this podcast as a whole, the word made digital, how do we bring good news to people in digital places? Um, If we don't get better at the craft, we lose people, right? If we, if we don't, uh, if we don't figure out what's making people turn away, how can we keep them? You know, it's like um, standing on a street corner at the local shops near me and some guy yelling about sin and God is coming and using all this religious language and everyone's completely turned it off and is walking by and rather uncomfortable. And it feels like sometimes... We've just said, well, it's the truth, so everyone better listen. But like, you don't even give people a chance to listen because you've turned them off before you even got there and built the trust with them. It's a new service industry. You know, when we when we go to, we, we're really comfortable with it in hospitality and churches as Christians. We're really comfortable with it, with worship being done well, with kids ministry being done well, with other things like that, car parking being done well, because it's a, it serves people. If you can, mm. if you can take out the bit that you think it's about ego, 
Because, well, if somebody goes on camera, they must obviously want to bring attention to themselves. If you can, if you can separate that off just for a minute and, and just say for starters, you just don't know. Like you don't know a preacher on a stage, whether their ego is in the way. You don't know. You've no idea what that person, what their motivations are for being in that space or yeah. even somebody serving on a team. You don't, you've no, you've no idea of somebody's heart and motivations. You can see their actions. You can get to know them over time. And so like, I think if we can separate those things off just temporarily and park up our judgment about because it's new to us as a service industry, understand that it is, it is now massively serving the world. People are shopping there. They're finding partners there. They're finding business there. They're finding their work is there like people are using it now as this tool social media is a tool and it's a service industry and if we can begin to understand how that tool works how to how to make it work efficiently for us and just some little things and give give things the kiss of life more than killing it before you've even sent it out there's just something if, if it's good content, it'll travel, Joanna. Like if it's good, it'll travel regardless of whether the lighting's good, the sound's good. If it's a good idea, if, it, if it's relatable, if it's charming, if it's interesting, if it's funny, if it's heartwarming, it will travel. Doesn't matter. Don't need any of the other stuff, the trimmings that go with it. None of the rules. But if you are somebody who is, well, like I was starting out and trying to figure out what I wanted to do and what I wanted to say, those, the to learning to use the tool and to your advantage and to help it teach you and help it grow you and grow you as grow you in your like use of that tool it becomes reciprocity then you learn it teaches you you give back and social media can be very reciprocal very collaborative which just is so jesus isn't it so mm. like so how the Bible, so how community is, you know, I bring what I have. I bring my talents. I bring what I have. I share my ideas, my creativity, my, what God has given me. And like, I'm under no illusion that, um, you'd, you'd, we do any of these things without like, without like God's calling on your life. You get in there, you can hustle, you can hustle so far in life, but you can't hustle, you can't hustle everything. You know, some things are just because just heaven's kiss is on your life in that area. And you, you, you then bring your talent and your time and your skills and you bring it and you come open handed and, and you hope that God will meet you in the rest. And so social media to me is just a, is, it, it's this new place of service industry. Some, and, and it has so many different, what that means then, and so many different varieties of things that, it's, that are possible to do with it. And we're only at the start. We're so, we're so early, right? But are we 15 years in? Oh my gosh, it's never too yeah. late. The, the, the printing press has been around for hundreds of years and we're still only developing, like we still only got where we are now. And here we are, like at the so embryonic stage of what social media is possible and how it's going to change yeah. and enhance and assist our, our lives going forward. So I, I, I think, I think mindset is really important being in that space, being in that space to contribute and and being in that space to be present, like God was present, like God is present with his people, being in that space on purpose, being present and um, and still, you know, being mindful of, of what you are, being aware of who you are and what you bring to those spaces and the power that you can have by being a just a decent human being, you know, like a, a, a spirit filled, right. good, positive disciple, letting, letting, Christ impact you, teach you, grow you, and bring in that difference into the space that you're in. Wow. 
Like, wow, I mean, like, there's no, imagine all those millions of Christians that could be in digital, the overwhelm that it would be, the overwhelming positive wow. space it could be. I I didn't prep you for this. So if you don't have a story, it's okay. I don't want to put you on the spot. But when you're talking this way, you're so hopeful, um, excited, curious about what could be possible here. Is there like a per is there like a person you think of that's been impacted, whether that's on your church community or your your own TikTok? Like you got this million people every month looking at it. Is there like someone in your comment section, your DMs? Um, that you think about, uh, that motivates you forward? Like, is there someone who has had a chance to, to share with you how the content you've created, uh, has impacted them in a good way? I, I like to keep that framework very small. Like I, I did go down the route initially of having a very clear audience of who I was speaking to because it helped me frame why I was there. So I used to have a friend that I used to think of and it was like so brilliant and so like sneaky because I never told her it was her, but she would consistently comment on my content and I would be like, <laughs> you were I making it, it for her. It's so good. But like now I'm a little bit broader. I, I speak a lot of the time, funnily enough, I don't know if this is to, to my, to my daughter's friends. Um, mm. she's 16 and she's got a group of friends and, um, I, I kind of like feel like I, I, I mean, they, they don't need another mum. Everybody's got mum. A lot of them got mums, but I feel like I can be an auntie, a positive, wholesome auntie that you could scroll by. And if you spent a wholesome corner of the internet and, um, I did something recently where, um, well, I say recently last summer when they were doing the exams and I really wanted to to, to pass something on. We always do this prayer that we do for our kids when, when they've gone through exams or difficult seasons. And it's about, it's about recalling information and about, about them being more important than their grades. And, and, and so it was, it was a prayer that I do when I, I make a little box of goodies. And so I asked her and I said, can I, can I put this video out? Because I think some of your friends would really like it. And she, I always check with my kids before I reference them. I'd actually, you'll rarely see my family in content because they are not they're not interested. So, um, which is fine. I respect that. I respect that in them. And so, but we did this and I wrote a prayer and then I did a video of this prayer. And she said to me, she said, mum, lots and lots of my friends. And I made it like a Canva downloadable image. So I then put it in my bio and people could download it if they want to. And it had hundreds of downloads. The video nearly hit a million. And this prayer had like, yeah, hundreds of downloads. And um, it, lots of her friends had said, and even her friends that were from different faiths had said, because I made it very dear God. I didn't, I didn't make it, I didn't make it too Christian. I made it accessible because, you know, you know, I think, I think social media is like slider content to a deeper relationship. You know, if you're in, if you, if you understand the marketing funnel, it's, 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 it can be just slider content, you know, like slider food. Ooh, what gets you closer and closer to relationship and something. And, and so I felt like that was a really helpful thing. And lots and lots of people said to me, we downloaded this prayer where I pinned it up for my children are mm -hmm. actually her friend said, which was just when you, when your kids come back and say, I saved that. I liked that. I'm like, Oh, my job is done. Like mm. I, that, if I, if my kids or my family, my, my nieces and nephews, if they are like, like it, I'm like, I am, I'm here for it just for them. Um, wow. but yeah. it just so happens that it, it, your toughest it critics, that. right? <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. And I had to ask, I did ask their permission before I started using, especially TikTok. I was like, I said to my kids, what do you think? Is it all right? Uh, they've been dead positive and they've been amazing actually at celebrating me and having a laugh. We have a laugh. We have a laugh. I just go, what is my life? I end up in like 
<laughs> some of the trashiest newspapers in the UK. Thrifty mum says this. Budget saving <laughs> mum. Like budget savvy mum. I'm like, oh my gosh, what is my life? But it's a ton. It's just a bit of fun, isn't it? It just, it's just fun. Yeah, <laughs> Claire, uh, you bring fun, you bring joy, but you bring so much depth. I think what people would be struck by with what who you are as we're listening, as they're getting to know you in this conversation is there's a lot of thought and depth behind this joyful, playful, go dig in the dumpster and find what we can and paint it and bring it home kind of whimsy that you bring. Like there's so much behind it. You're not a surface person and and it draws people in. Um, Claire, I want people to find you. Where do you want to send people on the internet uh, today to find more Claire? Well, I am Claire Hooper on Instagram. And um, I try and be present on Instagram, but that is that is that is a, a not not my main platform. But if you really want to find me, it's Mrs. Claire Hoops on TikTok. That's where I really hang out. That's my space. Awesome, Claire. Thank you so much for joining. Um, just getting kind of a, a look with you into what you're doing. And I think a huge challenge to people listening, I feel like I want to go out today and start recording some new content. I feel challenged by it myself. So uh, thanks so much for your time. It's been great to have you. Oh, what a joy. Thank you. Hopefully it's been useful to some people. Claire Hooper, thank you so much. I loved our conversation and I was so glad to have her on the podcast. Missional Labs is next week's episode. We're talking to my friend Steve Mulder, who is South African via Vancouver, Canada, and Tyler Preeb, who's from New York City. These two guys partner in Missional Labs. They're doing an accelerator program for the next generation of ministry and evangelism. You are going to want to lean into this. There's some conversation here we haven't heard anywhere else, so I think you're going to love it. Thanks so much to our sponsors, Compassion Canada, Lifting Children from Poverty in Jesus' name, the new podcast, Scripture Untangled by the Canadian Bible Society. And hey, if you haven't checked us out on YouTube, you haven't hit subscribe, you haven't, uh, you know, hit subscribe on the podcast or the YouTube channel or whatever it is, wherever you're listening or watching this, we'd love for you to connect to us in that way. Send us a comment, send us a review. It really just is fun to see who's on the other side of this. If we don't get an email or a DM or a comment from you, we don't get to hear how this is connecting with you, how it's serving you, and ultimately then how we we can create more things to serve you more, to help you more, encourage you more. That's why we're doing what we're doing, trying to help you bring the best news in the world, the people. It's not easy and we want to be there to help you do it. So we'll see you next week on the podcast. We're talking about missional labs and how to do mission into the future. Let's go.